and we're back again. It's been a little bit since we last did a hockey podcast. Yeah, it's uh, been a little fortunately, while. free agency kind of died down and, you know, not a whole lot to talk about hockey wise, but the Flyers made some news in the past couple of days. So we got on this one's mainly going to be just Flyers. That's pretty much it. So if you don't like the Flyers um, next podcast, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing yourselves a favor now. You, you can skip this one if you're not a Flyers fan. Yes. But I mean, how are you not a Flyers fan if you're not listening to this? I mean, this is true. Look at the logo. Look at the colors. It kind of gives away we're Flyers fans. So the only reason why you would listen to this is if you're a Penguins fan, and you want to hear us uh, hear our suffering. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, um, yeah, but we're just kind of this is our preview season preview, but we're kind of doing a little kind of look ahead towards like the Flyers kind of upcoming season with the new extension to Couturier, which we'll get into later, and the new signing of Derek Broussard. Uh, just a couple of things just here and there. Uh, maybe we're going to take a look at the um, uh, who we think could be at this, what the lineups could, the lines could look like. Um, also, we did, uh, if you want to look on our Whitmer Quake, uh, ho- Whitmer Quake podcast YouTube page, uh, we did grade on our last podcast, the Flyers offseason so far. Um, so you can check that out on there. And on that, we'll, it's pretty much up to date, except for the Broussard and the Katuri mm-hmm. one, which we'll talk about on this one. Um, but that one would give more or less how we felt uh, Fletcher's offseason was. And we're going to kind of, we're probably going to relate a lot to that one. So there's probably going to be a little bit of uh, repetitive here and there. But for the most part, we're just going to kind of, See how we also, the there point. is a question I did see. Someone brought this up on Twitter, and I wanted to bring it up as kind of like a, another discussion. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait until that uh, uh, towards later in the podcast. Sure. Um, so let's start obviously with the base one. Uh, today, um, the Flyers announced an eight year, $62 million extension for the 2020 South Trophy winner in Sean Couturier. It is a 7.75 mil cap hit. Um, so AAV each year, what was your initial thought when you first saw this contract break? Uh, but before I even get to that, uh, there's no move clause in it as well, except for the last year, which is a half no move. I think it was interesting. Okay. Yeah. I found that interesting too, but obviously the first thing I said is pretty, I gave you a whole like paragraph of text, uh, essentially yes. saying kind of my initial kind of thinking of it and my opinion on it hasn't really changed since then. Um, this is absolutely not as much as I thought he was going to get. I thought he was going to get at least eight, yeah. nine mil, somewhere around there. Um, and this obviously, to me, proved that Couturier isn't in it just for the money. Right. Um, and I sent you the, uh, I did mm-hmm. that mainly because, so I wouldn't forget. Um, during his press conference talking about Couturier, Fletcher did say, um, that Katari works with them to on the AAV because he wants to win and he wants the Flyers to be able to build around him. Sounds a lot like uh, Bryce Harper, but a lot it's less expensive. Yeah, um, a lot easier to kind of build around just because it's. And Chuck Fletcher even notably uh, stated that during his press conference, Katari worked with the Flyers on AAV because, like you mentioned, he wants to win. He wants the Flyers to be able to build around him essentially. And Fletcher did call him today. Sean's our best player if he had left it would have changed the direction of our franchise absolutely because ever since he got drafted by the flyers in the 2011 nhl draft 
uh, he made an impact. And, you know, of course, it took some time for him to find his offensive game. But even as a rookie, he, did, he showed you glimpses of what he could be. And ever since then, he's essentially been a phenomenal player. He's been in the Selkie Finals for a couple of years before finally winning it in 2020. Interestingly, I thought Patrice Bergeron was making more than 6.8 mil a year. but Yeah, Boston Sweeney has been doing a phenomenal job of basically that is the kind of GM you want to – when signing contracts-wise, I'll put it that way – he knows what he's doing and not, unfortunately, what the Leafs have been doing with the fact that essentially if you combine all of the money for Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, and a couple other star players, that's essentially equals to the amount of almost two of the Leafs' major contracts and like Marner and Tavares or Matthews combined kind of thing. So – Don Sweeney knows what he does. He's doing when it comes to contract signings uh, there in Boston. He he's a good team to kind of model your style after. But for Katori, though, kind of going back to him here in Philadelphia with Chuck Fletcher. Fletcher obviously understood the necessity of signing him. He like, mentioned you know just a minute ago he's their best player and. If he they lost him some way somehow in free agency, oh my god, that would have been a huge blow to the franchise, like earth shattering. The only direction. thinking I would have had, and and way I would have traded him is if you like had him and, and you were trading and like connecting whoever, and you were trading for like Eichel. Yeah, because at least then you have your now and future center because he's only twenty four. True. So that makes sense. And Katori does keep in mind turn 30 in about two months into the um, to his contract. Right now, he's 28. So um, going in just like uh, about two months into his uh, two years. Con- or, I'm sorry, when did I say two months? Well, no, so, so um, for when his contract first starts like the um in 2022 2023 because he turns 29 i guess this year then yeah 30 next year um so yeah but i i he'll turn 29 in december okay that's what i guess um but i really do like this move a lot for john katrea and and it you know shows a lot of what kind of team player he is uh, and we were discussing the idea earlier of like when Claude Giroux does retire, hopefully as a flyer, who then becomes that next captain? Most notably, it would probably would be Sean Couturier. You would mm-hmm. think, um, unless there is a dark horse candidate. We talked about a couple others that if they step those up and things go well, a, those are more of a kind of a just kind of throwing a name out there. Not necessarily. We made some cases for them, but not. Mm like groundbreaking like he is right exactly the only one i would say outside of him is would be Provorov if mm-hmm. he can consistently start getting better is one of the top and that yeah they thought he was going to be uh and not this kind of inconsistent one year good one year kind of thing mm-hmm. um uh because i think those two are going to be the guys that lead the flyers going forward once the drew once drew mm-hmm. kind of ends up leaving and even Ryan Ellis, even though he's going to be here for just as long as uh, Couturier, you could also say maybe throw him in there just because he's been around. 
Um, yeah. So that would definitely be a thing. But the only way Drew is, to me, I think, is not finish, finishing his career as a flyer is if uh, the flyers are just going to start from scratch rebuilding and you trade him away so he can try to win the cup. That's the yes. only way. And you get a lot of assets back. Yeah. Kind of like what you did, similar to what you did with like uh, Timonen, where you just want him to try to get a cup. So that's mm-hmm. where you trade him away. Exactly. But outside of that, he's finishing his career as a fire, a very underrated captain, too. He's not like he's not as vocal as a captain as some other captains, even in he's the in kind Flyers of history. Captain, yeah, been. he's the kind of captain that he lets his play do the talking. Of course, he'll talk and, and step up, but he every, does he allows his play to do the talking. And his MVP, not that he couldn't do it in his latter 30s, but the way that someone or you would say someone's an MVP caliber player is what how they put their team in their back. Drew, even this past year, when in March, which was probably the worst Flyers hockey we've seen in a long time, in terms of that, the many times he put his team on his back, the many times he does it all the time, he's very um, emotionally driven. So if he's angry, that's when he's playing his best. Yes. No, he, he does a phenomenal job. But um, all in all, though, I will say... And that was also another uh, yeah. thing that was discussed in the um, presser with uh, Chuck Fletcher is that they've had discussions with extension, but that's probably not going to happen until next offseason. Yeah, that's what I think when. it was Bill Meltzer was saying. He was saying that probably towards the end of the offseason next mm-hmm. year, or at least in the offseason next it's year like, at some point. That's like Ovechkin. He, he was a free agent into this uh, into this free agency. He was a free agent, but I was not surprised he was going to sign back with Washington. Right. It's a... Yeah, no, it's big. Um, let me see here. Um, but yeah, I, that was kind of my initial thinking is that he could be making a lot more but yeah, no, he, he definitely could. Um, I think uh, against kind of quote unquote home, hometown discount he's taken, but at the same time, um, you know, he really does believe in the flyers in what the, in Chuck Fletcher is doing, what the, mm-hmm. especially looking at the assets that he got this offseason season alone, the changes he made, because one of the quotes that really stuck out to me is, uh, or tweets, I should say, is someone tweeted out saying that, it might probably was one of the uh, analysts and uh, or beat writers saying what's interesting is the fact that they got this done now. And this is what, like, Charlie. yeah, okay, it, it was Charlie. It, it was more so like, obviously in a good way saying like, clearly like he could have waited, but the fact that he got this done now and locked before up now the season even started before yeah. exactly before season even started. So like that shows you what all he believes in for this, um, for this team. So I, which I get because, in terms of this off season and what the Flyers did, this is probably the most busy in terms of moves that they've made in terms of addition, adding and even subtracting that they've yeah. done since Holmgren was the GM, really, really yeah. speaking. If yeah, because to- and that honestly kind of brings me up to, and I was going to say I was trying to find the best way to ask this, but same time, you know, this is kind of the perfect little segue in a way. Someone brought up um, earlier that this one offseason alone is more than uh, Ron Hextall ever did 
in his tenure here as a GM for the Philadelphia Flyers. And I had to think back. I thought, um, you in terms could of argue trades, yes. In and terms of trades, trades absolutely. Signings is only his biggest one was JVR. And you know, that was it. Yeah, bring uh, He back. didn't because to be fair, to kind of defend Hexy, he couldn't do anything because look what Homegren did. He exactly. left he, the Flyers he was in off, they were rebuilding, spent, so his progress yeah. was going towards the draft and doing drafting up and getting so right exactly. So I think it's kind of unfair to compare the two. Obviously, Hexall, I'm sure, would love to be more aggressive, yes. but just like the route he never he took made with any LA fla- Kings, he didn't do any flashy moves. And, and unfortunately, he, of course, that he could kind of bit him in the asses because he didn't do anything that flashy that, that made the Flyers be able right. to get to the next home. Right. And at the same time, though, he couldn't really afford to do that because, you know, he's worried about stocking on bond draft picks, which he did a phenomenal he was job one, of. No, I forget who. I think it was him who signed Ghost and Couturier beforehand, right? Or was that homegrown? Yeah, no, that was definitely. No, because it was. Um, I know that, it, that, 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 that was, was definitely him because both of yeah. them, even though now it's. Yeah. Like the, uh, yeah. The, Ghost's contract was. More than he should be worth, but when he made that contract, like wow, that is a steal. It, it, it was a, it was a great steal, yeah. Um, but no, for Katoria, that was probably him too, because yeah, that was another steal, four point three million. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And and I mean, look what all you got out of him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for a giant old contract. It's funny because I keep saying this too, um, how everyone seems very excited or happy that this happened, this extension. Whereas if you even go back a couple of years ago with Couturier, people would have had your head like, really, you brought this guy back? What has he done? Yeah. And, and I, I also thanks thinking to our good that, buddy, um, Dave Haxtell, who is now coaching the team in Seattle. Yeah. I keep thinking also the fact that how many people wanted to trade Couturier or wanted to see him gone after the first few seasons and specifically him for Bobby Ryan, almost one for one. And, don't get me wrong. I love Bobby, Bobby Ryan. I had the utmost respect he for him. But he was never the same after Anaheim. So exactly. Good. Um, good. Wait, we didn't do it similar to how we did yeah. Shea Weber. Is that that kind of? Yeah. Helps that we didn't do that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, I. And then that's not the only move the Flyers made in the last couple of days. Yesterday, yeah. they made a surprise kind of signing to me at least because i thought for sure they were yeah. done in terms of signings and all this stuff. i really do think they were done. that wasn't like hl kind of depth signings mm-hmm. they signed uh derek Broussard, who i forgot was kind of still playing um and i even texted to you when i first saw that oh welcome to the phantoms but then i was like yeah. oh wait no he's probably actually gonna he, he could honestly and, he will, and if team. he does sit up for the Flyers, it will be his ninth team that he's played for in the NHL since coming into the league in 2007-2008. Yeah, no, I really did enjoy this um, this depth moves. At first I thought, yeah, oh, that's, that's it caught my eye. Also, he is very familiar with the uh, uh, Metro. <laughs> Yeah, be the fifth team. He's fifth team. He's played for in the Metro. Not only that, but he was uh, teammates with Kevin Hayes. Of course, um, he used to be under the coaching staff of Lane Manuel, of course, in New York again. And I believe he would believe he has experience playing with Cam Atkinson as well. Yep, 
He started so, his career in Columbus. He left there in 2012-2013, which would have been when Cam Atkinson was still there. He was traded in 2012-2013 to the Rangers, which has been... Oh, yeah. That was that until 15-16, which ah. would have been... Yeah, which would have been when Hayes was probably there in New York. Um, But yeah, this is... Because this actually kind of... Sur- not necessarily surprised... Not uh, surprised me, but to me, and I was thinking about this today and and uh, since it happened yesterday and mm-hmm. something Charlie had said and how this is kind of insurance policy for Margaret Frost, similar to how bringing Keith Yandel was for Cam York. And the more I think about it, the more I kind of like that they kind of did it this way. This way more so for Morgan Frost. Not that it's... Yes. I think Terry Bouchard should actually be the fourth line center. I don't, if he's your third line center, I don't want him to be, be the third line center. I'll, um, I'll put it this way. If it's not Frost that wins it, it should be Lawton. That's the third line center. That's just my opinion. I, I, I it's kind of tough to say because it's. I, I honestly, I have multiple points. I'm just thinking of right now in my head. Like for Scott Lawton, the Flyers clearly like him better on the wing, and and that's why he's I better think on he's, the wing. That's why he's much better. Yeah, so that's another reason why you get another depth but, center. I, yeah, keep this in mind. Even though it was a, kind of a down year for the Flyers last year. The two players that played really well for them, the line together was JVR and Farabee. The person yes. who was on the, that center line to begin with was Lawton before mm-hmm. Terrier moved in and then centered them. So right. He can do it if that's your third line. Not that it couldn't be because the line's still going to be jumbled. Right. If Wade Allison has a great camp. I don't see why he couldn't be second line and Farabee goes to third and that's your third line. Yeah, it's like for me, it, it and it's so tough kind of looking at the lines, and we can kind of break that down now and kind of predict them. So, like, if you have, so uh, of course, Claudia and Couturier, that's going to be your, you know, top line right there. But then who's that? You, you would think. Uh, but then who's that other winger? Is it Cam Atkinson? Is it Travis Konechny? Is it, you know, wh- whoever? You know, it, is, the, it, the is Oscar Lemblom build up enough? strength and showing up in camp could he potentially regain that spot because remember at the beginning of the last kind of the bubble season yes that was the thought that he was going to be in the first line and he was because, proving it too he was kicking butt for the flyers and he he was their leading point scorer before he unfortunately into this had a season, season i think he was on the first line for a little bit i i could see that and, and he can stick with those guys i know he and can he can because and the reason why he drew that and a good reason for that and the reason why he should build more strength and it's great that he had the full off season to be able to build up the strength that he couldn't really do yeah. beforehand um since you know battling his the cancer and everything how much uh muscle loss and everything he had going through that and trying to regain that and just go back to gain speed uh i think he will regain that but also he's good defensively against the board and all this so having that muscle is going to help him and that could help the mm. first line even more because you already have your Zoki winner if you have him with Drew and uh uh yeah Drew Limblom and uh Kateri, let's say just Kateri, hypothetical yeah. um and everything goes well let's say that may not be the flashiest first line not like the one you're like oh that's a great first line it's yeah. a very, it's very similar to that of the perfection line, I could argue. And that, and that it's going to be as offensively, but it could mm-hmm. be a line that shuts people down. Yeah. Whereas the benefit to putting acts in there is similar to why I would have had 
Voracek there because they have great chemistry together. Yes. The there is that Kachari and Drew are your best setup men. So you can easily set up uh, Atkinson. But I can yeah. also see the second line because his best friend pretty much is Hayes. So Kevin Hayes. They're going to probably have great chemistry. Yeah, the and then you could honestly slot in there Joel Farabee, uh, Wade House, Connect me. Team, Any, yeah, Connect I, me, yeah. So, and it's really tough to really narrow it down. So, uh, let's say this. So, uh, so Dan Silver, he's been tweeting out every, every literally Flyers offseason move, uh, his prediction of the lineup and roster, uh, along with their cap and everything. So, Drew Kitore, Connect me, he has it for the top line. And he has Farabee, Hayes, and Atkinson. So far, is that your ideal top six, or do you kind of Fix that up a bit. You switch Atkinson and connect me. I think that's what you go with out, out of camp. Mm-hmm. I think Atkinson going to the first line is similar to when you put four checks to the first line because you're trying to get something going. So when you get something going, you want your the best guys to be able to do that. Yes. And I, for that's Atkinson, when I would... the only thing is, is that like connect, so the I would love it for Atkinson to be on the top line. Same time, I kind of prefer him on the second line because he's that phenomenal chemistry with Kevin Hayes, and that's going to play a huge role. Plus, imagine if if you have someone like Joel Farabee. Hayes is what. Actually, even if Farabee plays as well as Mm. he did last season, he could remain on the first line too. This is true case. Connecting could actually have a bounce back because you're playing with two guys who have great chemistry. One guy is going to probably be able to feed you and Hayes. And mm-hmm. then you have two guys who could realistically shoot it. Yeah. So and and, and Atkinson, he's a re- known goal scorer. And, but at the same time, you know, it's not like he doesn't pass. He passes. It's just he, he has that shoot first mentality, which the Flyers have been missing for years. That's what I've been because, clamoring Connecty to be yes. able to do. And for the Flyers coaching staff to drill into him, you are going to be a shoot first person. Do not look for that. You pass. are a goal scorer. Exactly. Don't overthink it. But essentially, and, and this is where and I think so, said, having someone like Cam Atkinson. He, he'll pass one too many times when he has a great opportunity to shoot and everything. And, and I think this is exactly a huge reason why the Flyers also brought in Atkinson. It's because they know he's a shoot first mentality. He's not necessarily a sniper. He can snipe, but that's not, he's not like in an Alex Ovechkin Jack, um, Patrick Lyon uh, shot. It's not Patrick Lyon shot. Exactly. You know, he, he can snipe, he can deke, he can you know, pass, whatever. But Tarasenko. Yeah, Tarasenko for sure. Like his shot first mentality is going to help someone like Travis connect me, especially if they play on the same line together. That would also, be a phenomenal pairing. He can just another guy who can teach connect me because he's still growing as a player. So if he yeah. goes into that role of being more of a shoot first person, who better to be able to do that than a shoot first mentality person where everyone else is exactly passive. exactly and, and that's why the flyers un, as much as they say this they desperately need the gary Forster because oh obviously he's a phenomenal playmaker he can't score goals but he had that there's one too many past first mentality players and Voracek, you kind of start with, with and, him yeah they is, he that, has the biggest past the first play, mentality they left tic-tac-toe play drew connect drew Voracek, and then Voracek right to the mm-hmm. slam dunk essentially they left that kind of play um, for that. Um, but yeah, if I'm saying those first two lines, that's probably at the start of the year what I would do. I'd probably put Connecty at the first line with Drew McTurier just because that mm-hmm. line in the past has been great. And, and, um, and, and that's true too. And you have previous chemistry between those three. And then it makes sense to have Hayes, Atkinson. Who was the other person sure. on that 
was it Farabee on that second line? Farabee on the second line with Hayes and Atkinson. And and I think that's a great, great move because Farabee scored 20 goals last year. He, he was lighting up the NHL and it was great. And I thought, you know, this can work, but you have like, there's no way you can separate Kevin Hayes with, and uh, Kim Atkinson with their special bond and just their chemistry together previously, despite never playing together on, on the team before, but just, or in the NHL, I should say. Um, but I will say, though, that it's a strong chemistry right there. And if you have someone like Joel Farabee, he's an extremely likable guy in the locker room, uh, you know, especially with his relationship, I'm he's sure, so, with Kevin he, Hayes. And he also has room to grow, too, because there's many times if he missed a shot or he's, like, right there and he just misses it, you'll see it on the bench where he's, like, frustrated with himself. Right, And, and, and taught, it's tough. You and know. it's taught by the older guys to not let the other team see that show your emotions yeah because then they're just exactly and that's something he still has to work on yeah and and, you know obviously fairby isn't he does superb sophomore season which is awesome but you know there's still some work on the third line he is dan has jvr Derek brassard now and wade allison i think that's a pretty solid line for the most part my only gripe is you can't really have Derek brassard there when you have a guy like Morgan Frost. Now, to your point earlier, and what everyone else is, seems like saying, this is a good move, bringing Derek Broussard as like a safety for um, Morgan Frost. And I, I agree. I'm, because I'm glad we circled back to this because I had a thought today. Because yeah. let's think back to it with Frost, more so than Cam York, because Cam York played a couple games professionally, but he's still just mm-hmm. come back from college. So I think he could use uh, time on the uh, in the phantoms as like a mm-hmm. first pair defenseman and if i'm in the perrier i'd put him with igor samula and even yeah, if not why I'm, I'm i'm pretty much saying these guys should be top pair defensemen because i want to see what they could do with the added responsibilities and everything and if they can relate exactly. that to that but for frost's sake he hasn't played since pretty much season was paused and even then i think it was yeah. that season too so he hasn't played in almost two years so do you really want to go through another season similar to what you did with patrick in a way right a struggle so i want him to gain his confidence back in the phantoms not only confidence but the other huge part of it is and this is what i really liked about chuck fletcher's offseason is he showed too much faith in the young guys last year and he kind of bit him uh in the butt all last his, year all the guys that brought yeah. in except for ristolainen you can argue because he's 26 ristolainen mm-hmm. he brought in veterans yes and you know, um, you and you know, you got rid of some younger guys, Patrick and Myers, but you got a top four defenseman Hague. in Brian House. Uh, you know, you got rid of Hay, you brought in Yandel, you signed him, you trade for uh, Rasmus Ristolainen. You got uh, Ellis. You, know, you got Ellis is huge there. Um, yeah, and we'll get to the defense players in a second. The fourth line, Dan has Lindblom, Thompson, and along with uh, Aubrey Cubo being the extra um, forward now. Wait, who was the who was the fourth line? Uh, Lawton on the uh, wing, Lawton. center centered by uh, Nate Thompson and Lindblom on the left wing. I just have such a tough time believing that Lindblom would be on the fourth line. That's like one of my At the very beginning. No, that I agree. Yeah. Just to get the full, you know, treatment and everything, the back in. So I'm okay with him <laughs> starting the year at the fourth line. I think he'll move up as the season progresses. Um, 
but I don't like that for yeah. that much. Um, yeah, it's I'm not a fan I, of it. Honestly, I'd rather have like someone line, like especially with the contract he just got. I prefer him to be on mm. the third line, not the fourth line. Right. Um, first off, and second off, I prefer because my thinking is just to go up different from what mm. Dan Silver has as the model that we're showing at the moment. So this is how my third line would look like. I would do it uh, pretty much the line I just mentioned a couple minutes ago. Lawton, JBR, and Wade Allison. Yeah. That would be my third line. And then the fourth line, I would put Broussard, Abe Kubel, and um, Lindblom. Yes, that'd be my fourth line, and then Thompson's your extra. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Nate Thompson, it's no secret, but at the same time, it's just like you can't really have he that only, much. Faith neither in one him, of right? these guys, no, but neither Prasad or Thompson are really lighting it up. And Thompson's only strength, quote unquote, is his uh penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of meh everywhere else. And he's also 36, so he doesn't have the speed or anything to really go up against a McDavid or Austin Matthews, who you're going to be facing now once the season go back, goes back to normal and teams, teams are playing, which is an issue for him. Yeah. Richard, I think he's, he's a little more versatile. He'll give you a little more offense. Also, which I kind of like about this offseason mm-hmm. too, is that I think the Flyers are going to be very kind of stingy in a way, surprisingly stingy. Because Cam, Cam Atkinson at times can get a little grit to him. Yeah. Um, getting Obviously, we knew Rasmus was the line in. Jake Broussard, to amount. me, he reminds me a lot of, I'm curious what you think of this kind of comparison, of a like a Pat Maroon type player. And that Ooh, he may like not that, be the yeah. flashiest, but for a but fourth he line, makes that's going to be... Name, yeah. And the other reason why I don't mind Limblon being on the fourth line is because that fourth line is going to be a lot of forechecking, and that's where he's great. Yes, and I think Broussard, you know, it, if you put him on a line like that and, you know, just kind of set the bar pretty low and don't give him extremely amount of too uh, high enough expectations, he'll be fine. Like, I, I, I for depth moves wise and the fact that he signed up for a, under a mil, I think that's perfect mm-hmm. for him. Um, I like 25,000 more than Thompson who signed for 800,000. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I do like this move a lot for the Flyers and Derek Broussard. Um, I've always enjoyed his game. Um, just for some also reason. This this, too, yeah. Actually finish your thought. And I kind of want to transition to this a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah the, the, the last thing I was going to say is, just, you know, there's some part of Derek Broussard's game I've always kind of appreciated. And I think his kind of playing style I think fans will actually really enjoy in Philadelphia. Yeah. But one thing I've noticed in the last couple seasons in the NHL, especially a team like Tampa, who just won back to back cups, and that talent isn't the only thing, and not that grinders or those type of players are making their way back, but more gritty players are becoming a lot mm-hmm. more useful in that guys don't yeah. have to get hit around too much. So you can do that. And I think getting a guy like Derek Broussard or even Nate Thompson because he's not afraid to throw his body around. And even Abe Kubel, even though at times he may mm-hmm. be dumb and take right. a penalty, these guys can be a little pesky. And that's what I think the Flyers could pretty, can uh, kind of rely on. And that's just kind of one last thought there. Um, yeah, no, you're uh, not wrong. I 
I do think that they need certainly the grit in their game. That's where Russell Lyons is going to play a huge part on the defense. And that defense. was one thing that was kind of missing this past season with the Flyers. Because when Travis Sanheim yeah. and Oscar Lindblom are fighting for you, that's kind of an issue. Especially Oscar Lindblom is considering the fact, like you know, we all know, he it was his first year, yeah. or essentially first time playing hockey since being cancer. You know, yeah. Um, but, so, one yeah, thing, that, that's, that's my was, issue. Because a lot of the moves this offseason were obviously because Kevin Hayes is going to fucking leave that locker room with all his friends yep. um, <laughs> that he's able to bring in, um, but. A lot of the guys that brought in also have a leadership quality to them. And I know a lot of things that Chuck Fletcher had mentioned as an issue this last season was one, I think I also kind of want to throw last season off a little bit. Obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of the holes are there for the Flyers and they needed to be plugged, but just the caliber of that last season and all the issues he had to go through, I'm not going to put too much into it. But I have a hard time believing that locker room was that much worse months after it was the closest it had ever been in the bubble. I don't know what. Yeah, what it, it's which pretty much the same team. The only thing that was really different was Noah Patrick. I couldn't believe he couldn't be that much of a cancerous player in the locker room. That it does thing, sound like from what they're sorry. Go ahead. And I think it's not necessarily that there was an issue. I think it's just because when you're losing, and obviously you know mm-hmm. this if you play any sport and you're losing, and I. You know, the movie I quote the most is Moneyball. And in Moneyball, uh, Brad Pitt or uh, Billy Bean hates losing. And I get that. Whenever I play sport, I hate losing. Yeah, I hate losing. I hate all this. And when you lose for a long stretch of time, you're doing at times you're doing one too many things. In baseball, maybe you're swinging too hard when you have to. In hockey, maybe you're gripping a stick too heavily. You're making one too many passes when you probably shouldn't be. You're making one too many mistakes, and that puts a lot of the issues. And maybe because of that, a lot of people were not getting out of their own way, and maybe more veterans in that sense could have helped, and that's more so mm. the issue, not necessarily that the locker room chemistry was just that bad. Because I have a hard time believing that it went that south that quickly. Yeah, You're not wrong. And, and it kind of comes back to, I think there's reports about there being issues with like the coaching staff at one point. Now, I don't know how much that is actually true or whatnot, but accurate and everything, but right. We'll see now, you know, keep in mind during the bubble year, you know, Nolan Patrick wasn't around. Now I I think he played a part in it being, you know, kind of an issue, but do I see it being the sole purpose and reason for everything Mm -hmm. going to crap? No, of course not. No. And the one Um, that I'm always one of the very few people who's actually defended Noel Patrick, especially because of um I I hope he does well in Vegas. He just I I think he will. Uh I I, all I care about is just have him having a healthy and safe career. And that's all I care about because I you know it's it's hard to you know be a good athlete when you're always getting hurt or also you know even worse. Um you know, there's the concussion issues. It's just, you know, it's not yeah, good. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah, that's just a thought of tip going back and forth with because I mm-hmm. can't believe it would have gone that south, especially when the one thing that always kept everyone smiling was seeing Oscar Lundblom in a locker room yeah. in the crowd or whatever, and you see a smile in a practice or anything. And now that you had that pretty much all season, except for just a couple moments where he's like healthy scratch mm-hmm. or whatever, he was still around the room. And everything, and he still have his best friend. It's still a close locker room. I just that's just something I was always uh, going through my head. 
Um, but the defense, just one last thing. Um, I think that's pretty much – that's the only thing I think is set outside of Carter Hart being your starter. Um, yeah. And that Provo and Ellis will be your starting uh, deep pair. Then it will be Rissalayan, Sanheim, and Yandel and Braun, which I think – and that uh, I think Broussard also indicates this too. And that one issue I think Fletcher had is he hated mm. the, the carousel revolving door, whatever you want to call it, with the changing yes. of the fourth line or the third pair, second pair. I think he had oh, got tired of it defense. and he wants some type of consistency. So th- I think that's why he made some of the moves. Right. Not, granted, you can go back to the video where we talked about the ratings we gave some great this offseason, some meh, and sharps the offseason moves, but I get why he made the moves he made. I get it. I, I keep mentioning that, you know, from the very beginning, I was never a fan of the Rasmus Hurst line trade. True, because I think they overpaid. Now, it kind of, it, it all depends on what kind of Rasmus Hurst line you're getting. But if he, he's no longer the go-to awesome. guy, Sorry. he's going to be the second pair um, for the Flyers, most likely with Travis Sanheim. He's no, no longer the shutdown guy that the team needed him as badly in Buffalo did. Um, I think he thing, will clear at, at the point, net. Once they got Darlene, that pressure should have been off of him because you've got he would, should have, but because he's such a big body on defense, they still think, oh, Darlene still has some years to learn. We got a quote unquote veteran because he's been in late eight, seven, eight years for us to line it. So, you know, he's, he's clearly 26. a veteran for only 26, yeah. which is you crazy. You know what you're getting um, out of it, fencing yeah. out of him. Exactly. So, I, I think that there's still work to do with Ristolina for sure, but you still know what to do with also, them. It's just and this is another thing kind of defending Ristolina more because he was playing in a terrible, terrible team for a long time. Mm-hmm. And one issue you do have with a terrible team is that many times they'll change a person who's leading it, coaching, whatever assistance, whoever's leading it. Um and because of that, he's getting told different things to do this or that. And but I think the Flyers are a little more secure in terms of their coaching that they'll do a better job of coaching around him than he was getting. Yes. Yeah. You're not wrong. I, I just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hope with this upcoming flyer season. Yeah. If guys bounce. Um, Right. And and they're going to need quite a bit of good amount of bouncing back. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, Sanheim also, Got his contract. Yes, that's right. He uh, officially signed his deal. It was easily a bridge deal. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people give him a lot of crap because at times last season, he had a lot of mistakes. A lot of those mistakes ended up with the puck in back of your own net. But he was still a good defenseman. Now, he's only a second pair defenseman, but that's not the worst thing to be. If you're just a second pair defenseman, you're still solid as a defenseman. And you're going up against realistically on paper because it's second line weaker kind of opponents. You're not getting the harder challenges of what right. Of so I think that's going to be easier. Exactly. That's going to be easier. The and only issue it, he'll have help is, him. is Richelon going to be an anchor or will he be someone who could help him more? Right. Where he, where before he was getting again, a revolving door, but at the best when Myers and Sandheim were at their best, that was a great second pair. That was a very good second pair. Now, I think if you replace, you know, Myers essentially on the second pair with the Crystal Lion, where he's a bigger player, you know, he can eat up some minutes, hopefully, here and there. Um, the fact that, you know, we, there's, it's not like the Flyers are going to put 
Ristolainen on their third pair. The only reason that they would is if they essentially switch Sanheim, if not Ristolainen, with Keith Yandel. You know, at, at some point in time, maybe things yeah, are Yandel's, going cold. Uh, you don't know. Defenseman. But regardless, the though, only one that would, at, in that scenario, that would come, unfortunately, be Braun. Which you give him a lot of crap for, but unfortunately, he actually at that at that season was he was one of the better Flyers defensemen. He, he surprisingly was. But uh, a, I don't think he's a wonderful defenseman, but he's no, one that he's not a first pair defenseman. He's a no. first pair defenseman. As the third pair, pair defenseman, I don't mind it. I think him and Yandel will be a fine pair. They won't be spectacular. I, I, I think they'll make their mistakes, right. obviously, but I think it's a pretty good D pair. It, it's out of all the possible options with what you had to work with. It's probably. One of the very few mm-hmm. best options and out they're there. Very opposite in terms of defensemen because you've got a very defensive guy. You know where he is going to be defensively in the, their own zone, and the other one's more offensively. Right. So hopefully that can be a benefit and not something that hurts them. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so we'll you just gotta hope. We'll the see best. how that goes, and obviously we'll break it down more and in, in the next couple months or weeks or whatever. Because believe it or not. We're almost in September now, and the season starts in October, which Ooh. means we aren't that far away from development camp starting up, which starts up soon, but also yeah. training camp in general. So there's going to be a this lot more true. stuff. There's going to be a lot more battles to be looking at during the uh, training camp and everything. You'll be sure for us to follow it, and right before the season, obviously, would be when we actually give our Flyers preview and how we actually think the team will fare in this upcoming season. Uh, And with that, until next week for next Underachievers and whenever we podcast hockey next, we will see you.